0: Uh, Good morning. It's been a good morning, hasn't it? 45 minutes of uh, good worship, whether it's singing or uh, uh, celebrating life change that's happening. Uh, My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. We're thankful you're with us. Uh, Today we begin a four-part series called Pray Like Jesus. We're looking at the prayer life of Christ and some of His prayers recorded in Scripture. Uh, We'll finish up the series on Good Friday. We haven't done a good Friday service before, but I feel like it's one of those days that is significant and uh, it would just be a great day for us as a church family to be together uh, to reflect on the significance of that week. And uh, details are in your program, so I'd make sure to be a part of that. If you have a Bible, go ahead and go to Matthew 6. Uh, we'll get there eventually. If you don't own a Bible, get one off Guest Connections. Call that your own. I'll take that for free after the service. Late last year, as I was spending time... Uh, Trying to get quiet before the Lord, consider what He would have us look at this spring. Prayer was a continual theme that kept coming up. Uh, We haven't done a series on prayer for quite a while. And last summer, when our uh, elder team got away for a retreat, uh, prayer and fasting uh, was just something the Lord had put on our heart of an area that we needed to grow in as a team, that we needed to grow in as a church. And uh, one of our values is prayer and fasting. And it was a value that it just seemed like the Lord was asking us to lean into in a greater degree uh, to bring some focus to in our teaching. Uh, Combine that background with it's been a while since we've been in the Gospels and the life of Jesus. And then I noticed another church that I followed did a series on the prayers of Jesus. And, you know, at the end of the day, at the center of our faith, at the center of our church is Jesus Christ. He is the beginning and the end, our Savior and our Lord. So who better to learn from when it comes to prayer than Jesus himself? Now, the challenge on a series uh, on prayer is that if I went around and asked each of you about your prayer life, you'd say things like this. Uh, well, I don't pray enough. Uh, I don't pray long enough. I don't pray hard enough. I'm not very good at prayer. I mean, I, I know I should pray more. And, or, Well, prayer tends to be kind of a last resort, like break glass uh, and then I'll pray. Uh, I pray when things are desperate, but not when things are going well. How, how's my prayer life? Well, it could be better. It should be better. That, that would be a, a common response from us, whether you've known Jesus for years or you just started following him uh, just a couple months ago. Even if he asks somebody who'd been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, you might get that response of, well, it, it could be better. Oftentimes in relation to prayer, embarrassment or feelings of shame or guilt are stirred up. So listen to me. My hope is not to induce more guilt and shame in a series on prayer. Rather, I pray, and my hope is that we just be reminded of who our God is and what a wonderful privilege it is to be able to pray. I want to remind us of the position that believers have in Christ, that we already have our identity in Christ, and look at the prayer life of Jesus and seek to model that in our own lives. Since He is our teacher, we are His student, it seems appropriate that we would learn from Him. So Prayer what is it just some basic stuff it's communication with god it's us talking to him and him listening it's him talking and us listening it's back and forth it's not just the words we speak but but prayer can be the silent thoughts that we think toward god and speaking to god for example if i it, it, oftentimes in conversations uh, with whether it's uh, friends or with my kids or with my wife I, I pray okay god give me wisdom i don't know how to respond to this or i don't know how to, what you would have me to say and so praying in the midst of that just silently prayers can be written uh, when you think of how we communicate with one another communication is not just us talking but if i'm going to be a good communicator in our in our marriage for example i'm going to have to listen to my wife i'm wife i'm going to have to sometimes not talk so i can simply listen to her same goes with the lord silence and sol- solitude where we shut off the noise and maybe just reading our bibles and seeking to hear from him And our example of prayer begins with God. God has eternally existed in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, known as the Trinity. We pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. We're made in the image and likeness of God, but our sin and rebellion has separated us from God. A holy God can't be in the presence of a sinful people, so we sit under uh, the judgment or the wrath of God, but as a result of God, God the Father's great love, He sends his son Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, to be born, to live, to die, to rise again. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus now takes away our sin. We are offered salvation through faith in Christ alone. Then Jesus ascends to heaven and promises that the Holy Spirit will be given to believers to dwell with them and empower and enable them to talk to the Father. The Holy Spirit leads us to the truth and and teaches us how to pray. We pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. And Jesus modeled prayer as a way of life. And throughout this series, I pray that we might get, as we get a glimpse of his way of life, that it it might impact our way of life, especially in regards to prayer. In Matthew 6, Jesus is going to do some teaching on prayer. And to begin with, he's going to teach us how not to pray. It's kind of like when you give directions to someone and say, well, if you pass this landmark, you've gone too far. Or here's how to not shoot a basketball. Here's how to not drive. You don't slam on the brakes. You don't camp out in the left lane. This is how not to drive. All right? Sometimes it helps us to better ha- have a better understanding of how to do something when, it, when we get a picture of how not to do something. And the section that we're going to look at this morning is ultimately just a, just one of a few in Matthew 6 where Jesus is saying, when you express your faith don't look like the hypocrites. He talks about the subjects of giving and fasting as well. He starts off chapter 6 with this verse, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And in regards to prayer, Jesus starts off that, starts off of that place in Matthew 6. In short, he's going to be saying the last place you need to look when it comes to know how, knowing how to pray The last place you need to look is to the spiritually proud religious people. These were the Pharisees, the Sadducees of Jesus' day. And he starts off his teaching, Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand. uh, They love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. The word hypocrites originally uh, referred to uh, Greek actors who wore different masks to play various roles. And Jesus is going to continually go after this tendency that we have in our own hearts and in our lives to do just that, to put up the Sunday mask when we walk in here and then put on the Monday mask when we walk into work or school or or put on the weekend mask. Oh, now we're with our friends, so now we put that one on. And the Pharisees were notorious for their hypocrisy, especially in regards to wanting to do the right things but for the wrong reasons. In Jewish culture, uh, prayer was a pillar of the faith. Public prayer being said aloud three, uh, at least three times a day was very common. So Jesus is not condemning public prayer. For example, in the midst of a church service, we pray, right? Uh, Matthew 14, before Jesus feeds the 5,000, he prays publicly. What he's, going to, what, he, what he's going after is the motive of our heart. How the proud, the religious... People loved to pray to the crowd and ultimately so that the glory would be directed back onto themselves for what a great prayer they just said. They loved to go on and on and maybe you've heard this type of person before and in the midst of the prayer you could be thinking, how in the world did we land on that subject? We were simply thanking God for the turkey. I mean, just, and we somehow landed over here. Some of you aren't Christians yet and you're wondering, if I begin to follow Jesus, do I have to suddenly talk a different way or use different words when I pray? Do I need to be like the religious person and face only one direction when I pray or talk for really, really long times when I pray? And Jesus is saying, no, literally, do not be like them. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If you want to test our our true motives for doing something, do it in private. So no one notices. So so when you, guys, when you, husbands, when you serve your wife, you empty the dishwasher, you clean up, you, you do something around the house, don't tell her. I was notorious for not doing that. Early on in our marriage, Heather would come home or she'd be gone and She'd walk in, and I'd just kind of be going down this list of all the great things I had done in kind of an oh-so-subtle way of like, oh, what have you been doing? To, oh, I just, you know, this and this and this. Basically beating my chest saying, Heather, I'm awesome. Reward me. All right? That's what I was saying, more or less. You've done it too. so, And you think you're subtle. You're not. All right? Now, after seven, nearly 17 years of marriage, after watching her example of selfless service, service, I've slowly learned. I'm not a quick learner. I've slowly learned what it means to truly serve and test the motives of my, of my heart. And in a similar way, Jesus is saying pray in private. Don't just pray in private. Once again, not shot blocking all public prayer, but when, but when you're alone, it's just you and God and when no one else is around but the two of you. There's no opportunity to shift the glory back onto yourself. No, the focus is ultimately on the Lord Himself. Verse seven: When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. There's a great truth. Prayer is also not just mindless repetition of the same phrases over and over and over where the phrases roll off our tongue kind of like a rhyme, but, but they haven't originated in our hearts at all. The ESV translation calls that empty phrases. So don't be like the automated customer service on the phone that's simply a machine that when you say this, then, then th- it says that. Instead, you've been created in the image and likeness of God and through Jesus and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, believers are called to live out an honest, loving relationship with God the Father. See, the spiritually proud or religious, they want to make prayer appear harder than it really is. They want to formalize it to the degree that the newer Christian thinks, man, I can't do that. And some of you are there. You're just kind of locked up and, man, I just can't do that. Religious prayer is to impress people. It's for an audience where they pray for a really long time, where they make it look difficult and awkward and very hard But to pray like Jesus is about humility. It's not about boasting. It's about keeping it simple. It's talking to to your Father. It's respectful. It's personal, heartfelt. So Jesus says, don't pray like them. And now Jesus is going to shift the focus on on how to pray. He's going to give give us an example of prayer. Not a formula, not a script necessarily, but a pattern for our own prayer. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9 This, then, is how you should pray our Father in heaven. Now, we're going to stop there and camp out for a while. Uh, Jesus starts to describe who our God is, our Father, which that truth then establishes the foundation of our prayer life, our Father. It's, It's collective in nature. We talk about this oftentimes, that our faith is not just me, my Bible, and God. Yes, a personal relationship, but not a private one. We're following Jesus together, and our God is our Father. Fourteen times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father. But every time, it's always in reference to the whole nation of Israel. It's national. In the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus prays to God as Father 60 times. Father, Abba, meaning Father. This idea is, is brand new to the disciples and the crowd that was listening to this teaching in Matthew 6. It's no longer national. Now it's personal. Now it's relational. God is not just a force or or far off. He is close. He's involved in his children's lives. He's loving. There's warmth and intimacy and and yet also loving authority in the picture of a father. Now for many of you, the picture of of God as father is something you struggle with because of your earthly dad. Others of you had or you, you have a dad who honored or is honoring Jesus with their life. Others of you didn't have that example. Dad walked out on you. Uh, left you and your mom abused or neglected. He was addicted to work or a substance or a hobby or whatever it was. And so when you think dad, you don't think warmth, intimacy, closeness, loving authority. And you would scoff at those words. You think of all the opposite of those words. And you've got what's called a father's wound on your life. Do not judge God by the experience you had with your earthly father i am truly sorry that your dad was or is not a good representation of god the father but that broken relationship does not have to define how you relate to god as father he sees that brokenness and hurt and wants to minister to that area of your heart he wants to do it through the holy spirit through his word and through the body of christ through the community that surrounds you here at this church we are all like runaway uh, rebellious children wanting to do our own thing and yet through christ when we give our lives to him god adopts us into the family john 1 12 and church's family now we have all these brothers and sisters around us and in this growing family of believers we together we relate to god as our father So to learn how to pray, we don't look to the religious. We don't look to the proud. We instead get a picture of a great dad with his children. We move away from the overly formal and into the context of family. I have the opportunity to be a dad to a son and to a daughter. I love being a dad. I love our two kids. By no means am I a perfect dad. I fall short. I will fall short. I have fallen short. But by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to strive to reflect God, the Father, to my children. And yet God, I mean, He loves them perfectly. I can't even get my head around how much He loves them compared to my love for them. And so as a parent, I I want our kids to gradually transfer their trust away from Heather and I onto their perfect Heavenly Father to make their faith their own, Where they ultimately are making decisions and choices not to please us, but to please their Heavenly Father, to please their God. As parents, we want to keep pointing them to Jesus because at the end of the day, Heather and I are not their source of salvation, joy, or delight. Jesus is that source. So we want to keep pointing them to Christ. So in the context of a father-child relationship, my children and I interact because of relationship. They talk to me humbly respectfully dad i need something from you dad i need to talk to you about something dad i need some help dad i'm frustrated dad i'm so excited dad what do you think about me going there and doing that dad i need some wisdom it sounds a lot like how prayer should sound does it not the the foundation of our prayer life is god as father and when we get that, we won't come to him as, as this far-off mystical presence, but a holy creator who sent his one and only son to save us on a rescue mission so that we could relate to him as father. This is a huge challenge, a huge call for the men here who, who might be a father someday. You are a father, you're a grandfather, to not leave a father's wound on their children, but to practice Deuteronomy 6. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To do that first in your life. To submit to uh, uh, God's loving authority in your life. You can't expect your children to go to a place where you're unwilling to go yourself. Listen, your children aren't also. They're not looking for perfection or pride. Believe me, they're not. They're looking for humility. A willingness for you to be uh, changed by the Holy Spirit, to admit where you've fallen short, to ask forgiveness, to walk out a loving relationship. And it's never too late to start. Because some of you are already right now dismissing my words, saying, well, yeah, but I did X, Y, and Z, or I've done whatever. It's never too late to start. 2 Corinthians 5.17, In Christ we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's never too late to start, and you're not alone in that journey of fatherhood. There are people around you, men around you, all striving toward that same destination. If we get that God is Father, then you and I will pray. Then we won't think, I feel, this feels stupid. I feel wrong. Are these the right words? My kids have never questioned that when they talk to me. I'm not looking, well, wait, you said that wrong. I just want them to communicate to me. I just want to hear them authentically, respectfully, humbly, yes, but also honestly. As Hebrews 4.16 tells us, we will come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence because we know the one who is in the throne is not just creator and almighty, but he is father. Now, I spent a lot of time on that, but I I feel like that's a a foundation of our prayer life and really a foundation of just the next few weeks even as we look at uh, Jesus' prayer life. Now we're going to look at uh, the rest of these verses. There are six big ideas, six areas of prayer, so to speak, that Jesus is going to teach us or encourage us in. The first one is uh, prayers of worship and adoration. Verse 9, it says this, This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, your name is hallowed, meaning that, that Father, your name is of the highest honor. You are holy. You are revered. There is no one, nothing outside of your authority as father. You are king, you are ruler, you are reigning, you are sovereign. And some may say, then why bother praying? Well, because he is. I mean, if my father is in charge, then I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him. That's going to invite me. to. I have have opportunity to talk to my father who's in charge, and I'm going to talk to him. We have this incredible access through Christ. And this great, almighty, holy Father loves to relate and hear and speak to His children. So in prayer, we thank Him for who He is. He is not just the big man upstairs. I mean, think about how you refer to God. It says a lot about where you're at with Christ. If He's the big man upstairs, you don't know Him. You don't know Him. You may believe in Him, but you don't know Him yet as your Savior, as your Lord. He is not your Father yet. But He can be, and it could start today. Our our God is all-powerful, all-knowing, loving, affectionate, with us, near us, Father. The next area of prayer is is prayer for uh, God's kingdom to advance. Verse 10 starts with, Your kingdom come. There are two kingdoms on earth, light, darkness, sin, holiness, lies, truth, two kings, two kingdoms, Satan and his demons and God and his angels. Now, in the end, there's only one kingdom that remains, and that's the Lord Almighty's, our great fathers. Because one day Jesus is returning and we are called to be ready. Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God, Matthew 24 being an example of that. In prayer, we are acknowledging that in God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, the hungry are fed, the sick are healed, the outcast are welcomed. The sinner is forgiven. New life breaks through. Broken relationships are mended. Mourning can turn into gladness. Death is overcome. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lost are found. The the chains of sin are broken. The lonely are lonely no more. So in prayer we are saying, we sang about it this morning. Did we believe it? In prayer we are saying, God, we want your kingdom here on this earth. We want it in this area. We want it in this church. We just saw it. We want his kingdom here. We want to see love, justice, mercy, and compassion to extend to more and more people. We want your church, the body of Christ, to be a light for all to see. We want to see the good news of Jesus reach more and more and more lives come to Christ and more lives turned around and more people baptized and more people obey the Lord in everything, not just in some parts, but in everything. We pray for God's kingdom to advance so that God would be glorified. The next area of prayer that Jesus speaks about is prayer for God's will. Verse 10 says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your will be done. I mean, we, we pray that, but do we mean that? I mean, there are some times, I don't know if I really mean that. Many times we come to God telling Him what we want, and that's not necessarily wrong. And He will answer our prayers with yes, no, or later, and sometimes that later is not until we see Him face to face. And yet our hope is still firmly rooted in our identity as a child of God. He is our Father. In prayer, we are aligning our lives and, and our will with God's Word and His will. Prayer is much more about changing us and our, our hearts than it is about changing God's actions. Now, now does prayer change God act, God's actions? You bet. Examples of that. Exodus 32, James 4.2. And yet prayer is also about orienting our hearts in accord with God's heart. Sometimes we don't pray. I mean, if we're honest, sometimes we don't pray because we don't want to change or because we really don't think it's possible. And I pray in this series, even today, as you get into the Word, I I pray your your view of God is elevated to its biblically accurate perspective, to to this accurate place. And as a result, everything else falls into perspective. The next area of prayer are prayers for provision. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. It's good to pray for our physical needs because it reminds us who the giver of everything is. We often, as, as a family, will thank God for being our provider. I want my kids to grow up with the knowledge that every good and perfect gift is from the Father above. James 1.17 That behind the paycheck, behind the gift is a Heavenly Father who cares for His children and meets our needs. And as His children, we are grateful and thankful. Because we know Philippians 4.19 is true, that God will meet all our needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The next area of prayers, prayers of confession and forgiveness. Verse 12 says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So Jesus now is is teaching about uh, how to pray about our sin. And there's two areas of of sin. Sins of omission and commission. Omission meaning uh, the things that we don't do, but we're supposed to do. For example, I know I'm told to love that person, but I despise them. I know I'm told to be generous with my money, but no, I, I hold on to my money. I mean, these are the areas of sin that we often gloss over or neglect. Because we think, oh, yeah, you know, it's no, it's no big deal. Mm, it's still contrary to God's word. Sins of commission means we do what we're not supposed to do. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we, we gossip, we have sex with people that we aren't married to. I mean, these are the ones that we tend to focus on at the neglect of the sins of omission. And some of us, we get into the habit of, well, I don't do those 10 things, so I'm good, right? Radical obedience in one area is not an excuse for radical disobedience in another area. In verse 12, Jesus explains our sin in relation to debt. With financial debt, we are painfully aware sometimes of how in debt we are, right? We get monthly statements reminding us, or we have little booklets that have lots of pages left in them, and well, that's a lot of debt left to go. And... But we're not often as aware of our spiritual debt. How every day, week, month, we accrue more sin debt toward God, and that debt continues to build over time. And no amount of our good works, no amount of our good works or efforts, erase that sin debt. Romans six twenty three t- tells us that the wages of our sin is death. We can't eliminate our our debt of sin on our own. This is why we need Christ. When Jesus died, he paid our debt in full on the cross. It is finished, he said. So then when we repent of sin or return from it, confess Christ as Savior, when we get saved, then all that past, present, and future sin is canceled, removed, the book is thrown away, no no more monthly statements show up. Psalm 103 would be a great chapter for you to read this week, reflecting on that truth. So in prayer, we confess our sin to God. We keep a short account with our Father daily, regularly, consistently asking His forgiveness. Not so that we might be justified over and over and over again. We are justified when we give our lives to Christ that happens at conversion. This is about restoring our relationship with our Heavenly Father in an ongoing way. Because we don't want that that fellowship to be hindered by ongoing sin in our hearts. We don't want that to be uh, just an obstacle or hindering our fellowship with Him. And then Jesus also calls us in those verses to, uh, to forgive those who sin against us. Forgiveness, meaning to let it go, literally, let it go. When we forgive someone, we are not denying that offense took place. We are not. What we are denying is that we are no longer going to hold it against them. In choosing to forgive We are saying, I wish God's best for you. That brings it to a whole nother level, doesn't it? And we forgive because He first forgave us. It guards our hearts against becoming bitter. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. So is there someone in your life that God is calling you to forgive? Confess that bitterness to Christ in prayer this week and then forgive as we've been forgiven. This is what it means to pray and act like Jesus. The last area of prayer that Jesus speaks to is our prayers of protection and leading. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There is evil in this world, there is a spiritual war taking place. We talked about that a lot in the last series. Now, don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. God does not lead us into temptation. He is pure. He is holy. He is perfect. He is all the time good. No evil can come from him. James 1.13 Our God is the good shepherd who leads his sheep and never forsakes them. Psalm 23 is all about God as our shepherd. So it is praying, Lord, when the testing comes, when the trials hit my life, when I'm faced with temptation, lead me through the trial. And some of you are there right now. Lead me through the trial, away from the temptation. Because I know in the trial I'm going to be tempted to run or I'm going to be tempted to grow hard or bitter. It's praying, God, I agree with you. I don't want to go down the temptation path, I don't want to fall to the devil's schemes or my own weak flesh. Protect me from the trial that may tempt me to sin, protect me from the ploys of the enemy that distract me away from him. Too often, we only pray after we sin, right? Oh, God, I blew it again. Don't stop doing that. That's confession. But pray in advance, too, before you're tempted. Lord, I want to honor you today publicly and privately. Many of you know the triggers in your life where you'll be tempted to blow up in anger or lust or lose your self-control or be overcome with worry and anxiety. You know the situations at work, at school, that class, that environment. You you know those. So pray in advance. Lord, protect me. Father, I love you. I want to obey you. I know I'm tempted to to be prone to wander, so protect me. Lead me in the paths of righteousness. Jesus then finishes in verses uh, 14 and 15, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now that's a verse not to just like skip over. He's once again going after our hearts. Prayer is as much about changing our own hearts than it is about changing our circumstances. We can't say, we can't say, God, we want your will to be done when we still have sin and rebellion and just kind of a hard heart in us. We can't say, forgive them. We we can't say, forgive us if we're unwilling to forgive them. We can't pray, Lord, would you change them? Would you change these circumstances? if we're unwilling to be changed ourselves. See, Jesus is going after this contradiction that sometimes shows up in our lives and sometimes shows up in our prayers. We say this, we pray this, but we live another way. Some of you here don't know God as your Heavenly Father yet. You may believe that there is a God, but you have yet to receive Christ and believe in in who He was and what He did on the cross That he was not simply a a good person or a good teacher, but he was the very Son of God, the Savior of the world. And if God is prompting your heart to give your life to him or you have questions about what that means, I encourage you to talk to somebody after the service. Talk to a volunteer in our prayer response team up here. Talk to me. Talk to Eric. Talk to a leader after the service. I'll quote Eli Maynard on this one. I just thought eternal life was better than being afraid. And some of you, that is the very word that you needed to hear today. Because whatever, whatever thing is holding you back, eternal life is better. So this is a safe place to ask questions and, and talk about fears and doubts and get answers from God's Word. And So I encourage you to do that before you walk out. There are people here who love you and you're not here by accident. For the believer here, I pray more than anything, you and I would be reminded that at the core of our, of our prayer life, Is the truth that believers have been adopted by a great heavenly father? And in prayer, we have this incredible opportunity to talk and listen to our perfect, loving, gracious, holy, powerful, strong father who has not forsaken or left his children, but he is near at all times. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth that through Christ we are adopted into the family of God, that we have all these brothers and sisters around us and we have you as our Father. Teach us to pray this week. May your Holy Spirit be just active in our lives, teaching us, encouraging us in prayer. We want to worship you. We want to see your kingdom advance. We want your will to be done. We want our hearts aligned with your heart. Thank you that all we have is yours. You're the good... You're just the gracious Father who bestows on His children gifts and meets our needs and we are so grateful. Teach us to forgive others and be quick to confess our sin to You and keep a short account with our Father. Thank You that You're faithful to forgive. First John 1 John 1.9 speaks of that truth that You purify us from all unrighteousness as we confess our sin. We're thankful for that truth. Protect us. Lead us through the trial that we might be in right now, away from the temptation that we could be facing. We want to honor you in all that we do. In all that we do, we want to glorify you. We want to point others to you, whether it's at school, at work, in our own homes, in our circles of friends. We want to reflect you to the people around us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Next week, we're going to be in John 17, looking at that prayer. I encourage you to meet somebody new before you walk out. Thankful you're here. God bless. Have a good week.